Chris, before we even get going this week, um, I had a couple of listeners actually reach out to the show to make some corrections, and producer Ryan also found a correction oh from last week's episode. So we have to set the record straight. So first things first, I had a few Western New Yorkers reach out to the show to let me know that Nanaimo bars are actually fairly readily, readily accessible in Western New York. I had no idea. I assumed it was just a Canadian thing. Get out of here. I also had no idea. I mean, I think they must be using the term readily accessible a little loosely. If you, a Canadian who loves Nanaimo bars, who's lived in Western New York for, what is this now, Christian? Six years? Seven years? This will be year six. Year six. So, I mean, you know, readily accessible, I think, is using the term loosely. But granted, you know, to our listeners, uh, I got to say, pick us up on that. Because uh, if we're increasing the awareness of Nanaimo bar accessibility, that's a cause I can get behind any day. That is a cause I will absolutely petition for and support, yes. Now, I will say I, I myself have not made like a huge effort to search out said Nanaimo bars because I know, I mean, pandemic aside, I mean, I just get them when I go home to Canada, right? To visit, I go home, right. get me some Nanaimo bar. So I haven't really been searching out the quote, American Nanaimo bar, if that makes sense. But anyway, I digress. They are readily available. And now I know what I'm doing with my weekend. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's going to be an update for a future episode. Like when you buy your first Nanaimo bar in Western New York, you should uh, you should update us on that. I love that. Um And the second thing, much like the Nanaimo bar, actually the PC brand is also available in Western New York. So I had no idea about that, but uh, a friend of the show actually reached out and said, uh, yeah, no, you can get PC stuff in in, in the Buffalo area. Um, Now, I guess in hindsight, that might not be all that surprising. I mean, Buffalo is kind of Canada light. Right. And for their distribution, I mean, they, it's just coming across the border. And and like you say, Buffalo gets buried in, I mean, probably more snow than a lot of Southern Ontario does, actually. Yeah, you know, like they love their They love their hockey. They've got a unique accent. I mean, they're Canadians through and through. Yeah, they're more, yeah, they're the, the light beer to the Canadian um, normal alcohol <laughs> content, I guess. Um, but the other thing, uh, and producer Ryan called me on this one, we were talking about Canadian sports moments. And I talked about Donovan Bailey versus Ben Johnson. It is not Ben Johnson. It is Michael Johnson. Uh, So that is my fault. Thank you, producer Ryan. Um, I guess it actually proves that he actually does listen to us. Um, (laughs) He doesn't just, you know, you know, so he's actually paying attention. So which uh, we do appreciate very much. Producer Ryan. Sorry, Ryan. (laughs) I'm sorry to hear that you actually do listen to us. I'm sorry, man. I'm wondering how many errors he just lets go. Like he's like, do I really bother? Yeah, yeah, I guess I have to. Yeah, I'll let that one go. You know, the the inner turmoil as he's listening. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Christian. Well, I was gonna say, can you, if you're listening to me right now, can you hear music in the background? At this exact moment in time, I can't. But, <laughs> you know, it's actually really funny and genuinely true, Christian. So, I'm sorry. I know where you're going with this, but can you hear in the background a baby crying? At this particular moment, I cannot. Okay. Well, I unfortunately have the monitor, as you can see here, and I just have to be right back in one second, listeners. (laughs) This is the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. We'll be right back. And we're back. 
I'm sorry about that, Christian. I suppose one of the hazards of uh, doing a podcast on fatherhood is the need to be a father occasionally. Alas, the soother is back in, and we are back in a peaceful slumber. I'm sorry, you were telling me about some music in the background. Yeah, so I just didn't know if you could hear it, and listeners, if you happen to hear it throughout the podcast, I I guess I do. I guess I don't really apologize. Is that a bad thing? There's a, a house party going on two doors down, and they have... Uh, live music so they have a couple of guys with acoustic guitars hooked up and they're playing and they're quite good um but i can kind of just if, if, if i stop and listen long enough i can hear them um so i'm being serenaded kind of in the background so if you do hear that um you can consider it the soundtrack to the to the episode i suppose but did we did we did we talk about the possibility of doing just like a live recording straight from straight from the stage you know right right at that concert i mean yeah, i just, think I think I think my neighbors would be okay with that if I just walked up on stage with my laptop and microphone and was like, ah, "Excuse me, just gonna just gonna do a quick <laughs> podcast here." You know, dad joke loading. I'm sure you've heard of us. You know, as I like to step <laughs> step on stage. No, these guys are actually quite good. My only uh, quorum with them is they 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 butchered the tragically hip. And as a Canadian, mm. I just can't allow that to happen. I shouldn't say butchered. They did a different version that. What song? What song is it? Ahead by a Century. Oh, classic. Classic. It, classic. But they did it with this like fast drumming, almost kind of like country-ish vibe to it. And uh, I wasn't okay with it And as a Canadian. And I, yeah, I just wasn't okay with it. Otherwise, they've been stellar. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I, I couldn't deal with them uh, not paying proper homage to the the tragically hit, but maybe that's my Canadian blood showing. Um, but, um, <laughs> it must have been even a bit of a trip just hearing the tragically hip. Like you must have looked out your window. Wait, wait, am I am I at my cottage right now? How did I get there? Yeah, why? How did I get teleported to Kingston all of a sudden? What the <laughs> what the heck happened here? So, uh, well, tomorrow I'll be doing the least Canadian thing in the world, which is watching the uh, UEFA Euro Finals tomorrow. Big stuff: England versus Italy. Yes, um, you must be very excited about that. Yeah, I am pretty pumped up, actually. I mean, it's it's um, just like the kind of beautiful thing that you have a concert outdoors. People are getting together, listening to music, you know, feeling like the pandemic is over. It has been really incredible to watch parts of the Euros where you have a stadium just packed full of fans having a great time. Obviously, a little bit of controversy there. I'm not, you know, not trying to take a side, but it's just wonderful to see, um, you know, fans out in the stands having a good time makes you makes you pine for the good times ahead, but it'll also be good football right on the pitch. I mean, England and Italy are both having incredible tournaments. It's going to be a really exciting thing to watch. So yeah, can't wait, my friend. I will be honest. I will not be watching the Euros, um, but I will be watching something else related to England, which is Wimbledon. I ah, am a huge dip. tennis fan, but I, so I will be watching Wimbledon, the finals tomorrow. Um, and uh, in hopes of an upset, uh, I, I am very much team Roger Federer, so watching Novak Djokovic just be epic uh, hurts my soul a little bit. Um, hmm. He's kind of like the Tom Brady of tennis for me, where it's just like <laughs> I only hate him because he's really good. You know, like it because he's not my favorite tennis player and he's really good. Therefore, I must hate him. I really have no reason <laughs> to hate him otherwise. I just do. So I am voting uh, for him to lose to an Italian. So there's my Euro tie-in. Italy having a big day on Sunday. Wait, who? Roger it's, Federer? 
No, no, no. Roger oh, he's Federer Swiss, isn't he? He is Swiss, but he lost earlier. Um, so right, he's right, not right. in the final. So this is um, uh, Berrettini is his name. It's the uh, first Italian male in a Grand uh, Slam yes, final yes, in 45 yes. years. Um, but he is playing incredible tennis. I hope he can play incredible tennis for one more match um, because, yeah, I just want to take Novak down a peg. Again, for no other reason other than he is an amazing tennis player and not Roger Federer is really the only reason. <laughs> so, uh, but no big day for Italy, you know, see, uh, maybe grand slam yeah, Wimbledon right. champion, right. maybe a Euro title. Um, that could be a, a, a big day. The Italians in our lives are probably, uh, <laughs> sweating profusely while drinking lots of wine. I feel like, yeah, especially one in particular, you know who you are. We love you, buddy. We love you, buddy, but go England. Let's be real. <laughs> All right, man, you want to load this thing up? Let's do it. Like two slices of bread falling in love, it was loaf at first sight. I'm Christian, that's Chris, and you're listening to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. We would be remiss if we didn't uh, start the episode with a few thank yous. Producer Ryan, as we mentioned in the intro, thank you for actually listening to us, calling us on our stuff, um, and making us sound as good as, as good as you can. I know that's a tough ask. Um, Vishal Murthy, the vet cartoonist for all of our imaging. Um, you can find him on Twitter and Instagram. Michael Spicer Music, Michael Spicer Composer. Uh, he's the one who wrote that uh, nice, funky intro for us, original for the show. Um, and also got us Celine Dion's trombone player, if you recall, from a, a previous episode. I feel like that can't be stated enough. So thank you, uh, Mike Spicer. We appreciate you. Um, our wives and daughters for allowing us to do this, because as I always say, let's be real, they do allow us to do this. Um, and then also you, the listeners, for being the ones uh, for uh, Keep Up With Us, uh, you know, also call us on our stuff. So now we know that Nanaimo bars are ready, uh, readily available in Western New York, because without you, we wouldn't know things like that. But uh, uh, Chris, uh, MLB All-Star break coming up. And um, with that, I think this would be a really fun time to maybe do a little bit of a kind of reflection episode in a couple of mm. ways. Um, uh, MLB All-Star break, the kind of uh, unofficial halfway point of the MLB season. Uh, there's been a lot of interesting stuff that's gone on recently, um, but I think it would be a really neat time to update what our predictions were. Um, we did some... Uh, predictions earlier on as opening day was coming around. If you recall, you know, division winners, wild cards, um, MVPs, Cy Young winners, and, and that type of stuff. So I thought this would be a cool time to maybe just kind of quickly check in on those and see, uh, well, let's be real, how poorly we're doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to say, I mean, reflection Reflection is always, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an important thing to do. It provides growth, but it's also a time to look at yourself in the mirror and say, wow, I don't have any idea about what I'm talking about, do I? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a time to just be like, man, that wild guess was wildly <laughs> wrong. Just wildly incorrect. Um, but uh, why don't we start off with uh, our divisions? I'll start out with mine, and then I'll let you start out, and then I'll let you do yours. 
So for my AL division, are we uh, Christian? Just as part of this process, yes. Are we also providing our updated projection, like now with with the power of hindsight, who we think is going to win now, uh, or are we just looking at ourselves in the mirror and saying uh, and saying whether we were good or terrible? Well, we could do both. Uh, I think I think we have to stick with our original ones, right? I think that yeah, makes enough. the most. But if we if we could, we'll do uh, maybe quasi. If we could go back in time and change, you know, if we could mulligan or breakfast ball, uh, you know, our picks, <laughs> then we could maybe do a quick one there. But um, but I'll start out with my division winners and then I'll let you do yours and then we'll kind of go back and forth like that. How does that sound? I love it. All right. So my AL division winners, I had the Yankees, White Sox and Angels and poof. Uh, one out of one out of three ain't bad. I mean, if I went one for three on everything in baseball, I'd be in the Hall of Fame. But yeah. um, Yankees, just yikes! What is happening? Yeah, can we talk about that for a second? I mean, you know, it, because the issue here is that, as you'll recall, our projections were essentially identical. You know, in in I think it was in almost everything. Um, what has happened to the AL East? Like, what's happened to the AL East? Why are the Yankees a five hundred team, and why are the Red Sox so good? It's ba- other than the Orioles, which I don't think anybody picked to be very good. It's, <laughs> I mean, the, the Orioles were who we thought they were. <laughs> they were who we thought they were. Um, and But other than that, it's been pretty much flipped upside down, right? Yeah, like I feel absolutely. like everybody thought it was going to be the Jays pushing the Yankees for the division. And maybe the Red Sox and Rays stealing a couple here or there. I mean, the Rays, regardless, always seem to be in the hunt for the wild card, regardless yeah, of how, I, you know, but... Exactly. There there may be, like, the Orioles for sure, uh, you know, were always going to be last, deserve to be last, are last. The Rays were always going to be in the mix, you know, so having a almost 600 record is a little bit better than definitely being in the mix, but they are in the mix. They're in a wild card spot. So I would say they are somewhat who we thought they were. I mean, they're a World Series team last year. So to, to say that they're in a playoff position isn't crazy. But that the Jays are in fourth, that the Yankees are in third, and that the Red Sox are in first. I mean, you couldn't have you couldn't have asked me, uh, you couldn't have given me better odds uh, for me to, to take that bet. You know, I, I would have done it in a heartbeat. I would argue slightly that the Rays are, I think they are exceeding expectations even more so. I mean, the reason I say that is because, yes, you said World Series team last year, but they lost Charlie Morton. They lost sure Blake yep. Snell, right? Like their pitching, which was their bread and butter, um, I mean, arguably lost their two best players. Um, now, um, Tyler Glasnow goes down with an injury. Um, you know, he's probably toast for the year. Um, he might need Tommy John. I don't know if he actually like fully tore his, his UCL, but, uh, he's on the 60 day DL, I think as of right now. So, um, but you're right. They always seem to be in, in the mix there. I think everybody, well, I mean, I guess you and I might be a little bit biased. I think we all thought the blue Jays would be better. Um, yeah, but, I, I um, mean, they're not, they're not, outs- I mean, we'll get to this later. We'll get to this later. They're not a, a lot worse than I thought they would be, but they are worse. I mean, the bullpen has had a rough stretch, but we'll, we'll get on to that. That's, we'll get on that's, to that. that's generous. Um, <laughs> but getting on to our uh, kind of one of our other picks here, which was the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, I think we just thought, I mean, Shohei Otani has been unbelievable, and we'll get to that later. Um, quick flex. He's my a. He was my AL MVP pick, yeah, well, and I think that might. 
I'm looking. I'm looking. You're looking pretty, pretty fine. Pretty, pretty good on that one. I mean, yep. one out of eleven picks that I got right in this whole thing is probably pretty good. But uh, but I mean, what I mean, what happened there? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think. Well, I think we thought the the star power was going to be better than it was. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Angels are. I mean, this is them every year, right? They sucker us. They they suckered me into looking at the talent on their roster, looking at Otani and Trout, and saying this is this is a World Series contender. Um, let alone playoffs, you know, so they fool us and they're barely a playoff contender. You know, they're in the wildcard hunt and the reason is pitching and it's always been pitching. Um, And, uh, you know, of course, Shohei Otani is a, I mean, he's a better hitter than he is a pitcher, but I mean, he has been a good starting pitcher. It's just, that's not, you know, that's 20% of your rotation. You're not, you're not going to to cut it in the modern American league if you don't have a, a top to bottom rotation. And I think we're seeing that with a lot of teams, Jays included, uh, Cleveland to some extent actually included. And, uh, and, and I think that's uh, LA's down, I should say Anaheim's downfall. The other thing I think we have to keep in mind is I feel like a lot of our, a lot of people's predictions especially in baseball, I feel like just because there is such a large sample, large sample size, excuse me, we, we go kind of season to season, right? What did they mm. do last year? How did they do, how did they do last year and the year before? But last year was 60 games, mm. right? Truncated regular season, expanded playoffs. You know, so people who think about Miami, you know, like, oh, well, Miami was so good. They were a playoff team last year. Um, I was listening to a, a different podcast. Um, I've referenced this before, the Dan Lebetard show with Stu Gatz. Mm, yes. Um, they have a regular on their um on their show whose name is David Sampson. David Sampson, he comes on every Thursday, and he was the former team president of the Marlins. So he's like right in on baseball things. And he always says, I mean, he said this as well, and this is where I kind of got the opinion from, was Teams can have good and bad 60-game stretches in a normal 162-game season. So mm. you could have a relatively good 40-20 and 20 stretch over last year, which is the whole season, and look much better than you are, right? And so I think sometimes we get a little bit suckered in like that. I mean, the Astros, albeit they did make the playoffs last year, they didn't look that great overall right in the regular season i mean they kind of they kind of sneaked into the playoffs basically and then and then they got hot and went from there but i don't think anybody really picked them to be that good this year especially no verlander uh you know and that type of thing but here they are back to you know back to their kind of pre-pandemic selves uh trash can jokes aside um (laughs) you know and that type of thing so you know, and it's like, you know, so I wonder if maybe with the Angels, like, we, again, we maybe we got suckered in a little bit with that kind of smaller sample size to be like, oh, you know, Otani and Trout can do this all year or, what, you know, or whatever. But re- I mean, when we think about it, that's kind of hard to sustain over yeah, a whole season, over 162 right? games. Yeah. Let me ask you this question, Christian, since you're bringing up the Astros. What are your thoughts on the inflatable trash cans getting tossed on the field? Love it or list it? Oh, love it. Um, <laughs> love it. I, if there was a way that I could like sponsor every <laughs> team that did it and paid for the inflatable trash cans, I would do it. Um, I was actually watching this evening prior to recording. I was watching the uh, – so the Astros and Yankees are playing today. And so obviously there's a lot of bad blood there. 
that's the Jose Altuve walk-off home run where he like holds his jersey closed because he doesn't want it ripped off, all that type of stuff. Quick side note, Aaron Judge hit a home run and he ran around the bases holding his jersey closed. And I was like, yes, I am here <laughs> for this. Yes, because I am full Tom Petty. Like I'm 100% full <laughs> Petty in the Heartbreakers on this. Um, and anyway, it's a, it was a Fox game so um i'll keep my opinions on fox to myself for the time being but um they were like oh you know blah 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 back to 2019 and you know mlb cleared the astros of cheating but the yankees are still really suspicious and i was like no they didn't (laughs) stop the steal stop the steal nobody (laughs) nobody cleared them of cheating mlb just gave them amnesty and then they fired the GM and coach instead and figured that was good. Anyway, that's a tangent for another day. Uh, But uh, so to make a short story long, love it, inflatable trash can. (laughs) So if you were, you know, let's say that you're, um, you know, the field manager for uh, Rogers Center, you know, and and you're setting those policies and you have a policy that any fan who gets things thrown, who throws something on the field gets ejected and gets, you know, a a ban for a certain number of years. what would you do? What would you do if you were in that position? Do you think there's a way around preventing those people from getting banned? So I guess if I'm the field manager, so you're asking like Christian, the the fan here, I'm saying I fake eject them for the optics and give them free better tickets to another <laughs> game in the future. That's what nice. I'm yeah. that's what I'm doing. So I'm saying like man, I got to walk you out of the stadium here, but here's second row seats for next Saturday's game. That's yeah, what I'm like doing. That. And or I'm taping inflatable trash cans to the bottom of all of the seats prior to the game and then shrugging and going, I don't know how they got in. Yeah, it was it must have been a fan giveaway or something. I mean, I'm I'm not pers- I'm not part of those. Are decisions. we really sure those are trash cans? I mean, to me, they kind of just look like truncated baseball bats. Aren't we just doing a, <laughs> a giveaway? No, that was no, it was I thought it was Sesame Street night. Yeah. Are we isn't this isn't today Oscar the Grouch Day? Um, yeah, so that's a, that's a good answer. I like that. So how about the National League, my friend? How did the predictions go there? Uh, so I had it, the Phillies, Reds, and Dodgers as winning their respective divisions. Um, so far, not great. Uh, yeah. Not great. Um, a couple of surprises there. I mean, the Reds are in second. The Phillies are close. Um, I did definitely didn't have the Mets winning that division, uh, but... I had them making the playoffs. Yeah, I think we all, everybody thought the Mets would be, you know, I hate to use this term. I just use it for the Rays, but in the mix, you know, I think everybody figured the Mets were a decent enough team. So it's not a surprise to see them sitting at, you know, what is it? Just over 500 now, about 540. You know, that's, um, I guess that's kind of roughly where where we thought they were. Well, I just don't think we thought that that record would be winning the division. I think that's. I think the Mets' record in and of itself is not the surprise. The surprise is that it's the best one in the division. Yeah. Um, I'll have to admit, I when you made your Atlanta Braves prediction, I was just like, oh, that's a good one. But they've been underperforming. Yeah, they have. They have. I mean, that's their pitching. I think that's their pitching. Like uh, Freed, um, you know, the guys that Anderson, the guys that they had last year, not that they overproduced last year, but again, small sample size. You look at them and go, oof, that rotation's really good. 
with relatively unknown guys. I say relatively unknown guys. And now here they are not doing as well as we thought they were. Yeah. Uh, I have freed on my fantasy team and I can absolutely attest that he is not this year who he was last year. Also losing Soroka Canadian losing Soroka for the season. I mean, that that's going to hurt you as well. So they lose a bit of their depth as well. Um, you know, again, hate to say it in the mix sitting at 500 second place, they could still take the division. Um, oh, there's lots of games left. I mean, but, this is, uh, like you said, but, this is still kind of the unofficial halfway point, but still a little bit surprising. Yeah, they're one loss away from being sub 500. And and I would never have guessed that this would be a sub 500 team. Um, Reds, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I went the opposite. I thought that that was a bad call. I thought that they would be fifth or fourth uh, in the central and uh you proved me wrong there i mean they had that hot torrid unbelievable start to the season um have leveled off a little bit since then but still sitting in second place pretty good call there christian i'm not uh i'm not i'm still very not confident in that pick um but i guess i'm i've benefited from like the cubs losing like 11 in a row maybe <laughs> and but uh, And I didn't think the Brewers would be that good, to be honest with you. I didn't think yeah. that they would be up top of the division right now. But again, we're only halfway through. The big surprise to me in the end now, I mean, did anybody pick the San Francisco Giants to be this yeah, good? Yeah, in this division. In this division. Right. I mean, everybody gets to beat up on Arizona in this division, so that's always going to help. But that they're ahead of the Dodgers and Padres, who, I mean... Uh, is it wrong to sit here and look at the Dodgers with basically a 600 record and the Padres with a 580 record and say they've been disappointments? That that seems wrong, right? I shouldn't say that. And yet I'm sitting here being like San Diego should be better than this. You know, they should be better than 580. And, and yet here they are sitting in third in their division. Um, they are in a wild card spot at the moment, but you know their their playoff season could be over in one single game against the Dodgers, who I think a lot of people would have picked for a potential NLCS matchup. Um, so no, I didn't pick the Giants at all, Christian. I I would have considered them a contender for bottom of the division. So uh, I'm pretty shocked. Well, I mean, you you can't really expect a uh, a team that's got like Kevin Gossman, Johnny Cueto of old you know, who are leading their rotation, you know, to, yeah. to really be, you know, that competitive against, you know, you put those guys up against, you know, Kershaw, Bueller, you know, those guys. Um, and much like in the, you know, for the Padres, you know, Snell, Darvish, Musgrove, you know, all those guys, not to, and then offense aside, you know, who, who do you think are San Francisco's three best hitters? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's it's been it's been by committee. I mean, I yeah, like I thought Buster Posey would have been would have been past his prime, and he's batting like over three hundred this year or something like that. Well, he's the know? starting catcher for the All Star team. I mean, I mean is, it's well, unbelievable. So, I yeah. mean, he's not because he's injured and whatever. That's not the point. But like, he was voted the starter of the All Star team. Like, it's, and and Buster Posey is like closing in on thirty five. Brandon Crawford closing in on thirty five. Donovan Solano closing in on thirty five. I mean, this is. This is a an old an old team. Yastrzemski. I, I mean, they're you know Brandon Belt. Like this, this is not a young. Yeah. What is team. this like? Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. yeah you, know. you know, and 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 they're doing it. I mean, a little bit of power, but they're they're mainly uh, it's the approach at the plate. I mean, it's the average. You know, it's not even they're not massive and on base. They're just putting contact on the ball. Um, and sometimes we see that that's not sustainable in baseball if it's driven by a, a high 
uh, batting average on balls in play. But, you know, I, I still feel like they've put themselves in such a good position in this first half. It's going to take a big slide to knock them out of, of a playoff spot. They, they could even be NLCS winners. Who would have thought? I thought they'd be last in the division. I will admit, though, I'm super happy about it. I mean, not for my prediction, but I'm also, and people who know me know this about me, I am a baseball traditionalist through and through. So if a team can beat the Padres and the Dodgers playing small ball with average, that is pretty much heaven for me because then I can say, take that home runner strikeout, get out of here. I don't care about launch angle or exit velocity. Give me the single, give me the sacrifice bunt any day of the week. I will watch the pitchers duel one nothing, regardless of how <laughs> boring you think it is. So like the fact that they're up there to me is kind of one of those like, yeah, we can still do it like the olden days and don't need the long ball. Um, not that I'm anti home run. Love me a good dinger. But uh, I also like a well-rounded version of the game. And not the one just- thing I. The one thing I will say, although I agree with you 10,000%, if there's one uh, stadium that I'd like to see a long ball approach in, it's San Francisco. Because I love watching those kayaks out there. Barry Bonds, I know, I know. Steroids, I get it. I know I'm not supposed to like it. But that was my childhood, was waking up on TSN every day to see how many kayakers caught baseballs that morning. Do we really want to talk this? Or who do we want to just watch me sock dingers? That's Mark <laughs> McGuire, but on The Simpsons. But um, but no, I, I have no idea. I've, I can honestly say I can count on one finger the number of times I've went kayaking. But I would 100% rent a kayak and sit in McCovey Cove. Yeah, absolutely. Just because they do it. Well, baseball road trip. We'll get there. We will get there, Christian. As soon as I was going to say AT and T Park, but I guess it's not. It's Oracle Park now, right? They they changed it. But uh, my uh, when I was growing up, the one thing that I always remembered about the city of San Francisco as a child um, was my mom telling me that their stadium at that time, back in the day, was Candlestick Park. Candlestick Park, and how beautiful a name that was. And she she was like, now it's like Three Com Park or some nonsense like this. And ever since then, I've always laughed (laughs) that it's not Candlestick Park. Of course, a different stadium, but you know what I mean. Um, so Christian, did we, when we first made these predictions, um, we had someone write in and say, we didn't make world series predictions. Is that right? That's correct. We did not in fact make world series predictions. You're right. And did we ever fix that? Did we ever make world series predictions? Uh, if we did, I don't recall. Yeah, I don't recall either. So I feel like this is as good a time as any to now that we're talking about the standings, make new calls for our world series champions. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm game. If you are, uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, well, I suppose I propose it. So all is fair in love and war and I'll go first. Sounds good. Um, so I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick myself for saying this. And, um, I don't, I don't think that I, I don't think that I, at the start of the season, you know, you wouldn't have heard me say, I think either of these teams to be world series contenders, I'm going to go with the Astros, uh, in the American league. Um, They just seem to have shaken off all of the doubters. They clearly have the skill. They have the ability. They're beating up on their division. The Mariners are not going to be sustainable in the second half. Well, we've already talked about the Angels and the Rangers are awful. So to me, the Astros are going to get a cakewalk into a a home field advantage in the playoffs um, and they're going to ride that deep. Um, so I wouldn't have, you know, I, I would have thought that the Astros were like a borderline wildcard team uh, coming into the season, but I'm going to say that they are my current uh, second half pick 
for uh, ALCS champions. And in the National League, you know, a team that I thought was a contender for their division, and I'm not surprised that they're doing well. Um, but, um, uh, you know, there was there was a piece of me that thought that the Brewers would be a contender, but I'm still going to stick with the LA Dodgers. You know, they're in second in their division. They can still pull it out in the second half. I mean, heck, they could pass the, the Giants within a week uh, if they go on a, on a hot streak. Um, so I think that it will be Astros Dodgers in the final Dodgers to take it. So my national league, um, I'm still sticking with, even though the Brewers were uh, deep in contention there for me. And I think they could be in the NLCS, um, which absolutely is shocking to me. So that's, uh, that's my pick Dodgers Astros Dodgers to take it. What about you, my friend? I can't argue with anything that you just said. Um, and although I, part of me would love to see the dart, the Dodgers Astros kind of like, rematch you know vengeance grudge match you know vengeance you know actually i guess revenge is the dish best served cold but um (laughs) i'm gonna go for just the sake of the bet if i can uh i'll go with different teams because like i said even though i agree with a lot of what you're saying um i'm gonna go with slightly different um i'm going to go with the boston red sox Mm. Yeah, I mean, and, I can't argue with that. Who and, would have called that at the start of the and, season? But and the reason I say that is because if not the Astros, then who is going to? I think the Red Sox-Astros is going to be the ALCS at this point. Um, mm. You know, the White Sox are leading the Central. Yeah. I don't really feel like they're as threatening in a four out of seven series as as the others. Like, I think the A's are pretty good. Um, you know, I think, are they a wild card team? Sure, but I just don't think that they have enough um and like a team like the yankees like i just don't think like yeah sure they can probably put up a dozen on you on any given night of judge stanton and them get going but i just don't think there's the sustainability there um and foreshadowing to the second part of it with garrett cole without his sticky stuff just isn't as good Um, yeah clearly not as good at all so um but we'll get into that um and so i think i'm gonna go red Sox overall because i just think that they're a better um, they seem to be a, a pretty well-rounded team right now. Devers and Bogarts leading the all-star team, you know, this year, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, and their rotation's been kind of sneaky good. And there's a chance they get Chris Sale back this year, mm. which I think everyone almost kind of forgot about, yeah. uh, that they're leading the division and they get Chris Sale back. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, he's going to be the Nikita Kucherov of the <laughs> MLB playoffs. Um, not that I'm bitter about that, but 18 million over the cap. Of course, they're going to win the Stanley Cup. I digress. In the NL, because you picked the Dodgers, I'm actually going to pick the Padres. <laughs> and man poor giants eh? just after we sit here talking about how great they are, neither of us will give them any love. I just think in a four out of seven series, I think like I and I could be yeah, wrong and I probably no, will be wrong, but you got to go talent, right? I feel like you just yeah. overall you have to go talent and not that we're going to get into this discussion because it's way too long for just a quick comment here. I don't think the Dodgers have Trevor Bauer for the rest of the year mm-hmm. because of everything that's going on with him. Yeah. I don't think whether he's guilty or not, which is not the point of the of it. I think with the MLB investigation and all this type of thing, I don't think he pitches for them. And without him, uh, I just I just think overall and in their head-to-head, I think the Padres have been better. So yeah. 
I think there's going to be some level of the Padres advancing past them. I could be wrong, but I think that that is the case. So I think I'm going to go Padres, Red Sox. If I had to pick a winner, um, I'm going to go with the Padres. Just because I really want to see Tatis Jr. win one. It's fair enough. I mean, I think you got to say whichever whichever team comes out of the NL West has a great chance. You know, I, mean, I think just, they have to be odds on favorite. No. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I I have to say this is one of the most incredible things about baseball, and particularly baseball right now. You know, at the start of the season, we we sat here and we talked about the Dodgers and the Yankees and how predictable this you know baseball can get sometimes. The no salary cap that teams like the Dodgers and Yankees they load up, they become contenders. You know, there's your World Series right there. And here we are halfway through the season with completely divergent picks from the start, divergent picks between you and I even to the end of the season. It really is unpredictable as much as we uh, we think that it is sometimes. Speaking of uh, predictability and maybe how wrong we are, how's your fantasy team doing? <laughs> um, not bad, actually, uh, you know, if I'm being straight up. So I'm sitting third at a 12 right now. Um, it's a full rotisserie, so not head-to-head, season-long rotisserie. Five categories each, um, hitters and pitchers. I've kind of waffled between fifth and second. I'd, I'd say I've been kind of stagnant in third or fourth place, um, rising a bit over the last month. I'm um, top, top, top in um, home runs and RBI. Um, so I've got a team of power hitters. Um, and they're they're like um, second and third, I believe, in average and run. So offensively, we're on point. It's the pitching for me. I'm right in the middle in um, walks plus hits per inning pitched, ERA, and wins. Um, and the biggest disappointment of my team so far has been the relievers. I, uh, Craig Kimbrell is, is, uh, pulling my saves for me, but I literally have essentially nobody else, um, other than maybe Javier, uh, on the Astros that gets the occasional save for me. So my bullpen is disappointing, but I got to say who's not disappointing is Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, Marcus Semien, Rafael Davers, JD Martinez. Um, they are pulling some weight for me. And Robbie Ray is a nice surprise uh, for the Blue Jays. So I can't, uh, I'm not going to complain. Third place, um, but wish my bullpen was a little bit better. How about you? My team has been incredibly consistent, um, but consistently terrible. So I am dead last. <laughs> oh. Uh, dead what, last. Uh, what format? Uh, full so full rotisserie, um, and we have many categories. Many categories of which I am dead last. Um, <laughs> and it started right at the very beginning. Uh, Juan Soto has been a disappointment. Um, my starting pitching has been a disappointment. Clayton Kershaw has been a disappointment. Mm, we yes. do not do, um, we do quality starts, not wins. Um, yeah, that's our, probably better. Honestly, that's probably better. So while my pitchers have lots of wins, they rarely have quality starts. Um, <laughs> so, which is unfortunate. Um, I tried to be sneaky and draft like Sisto Sanchez, um, and he hasn't pitched at all this year. And then they just shelved him for the year, which is great. Um, yeah, I had a couple of bad injuries. Uh, my bullpen's actually, my bullpen's been a semi, uh, okay spot. I also have Craig Kimbrell. Um, but, ah, um, look at us. Great so like. I, uh, so I do have him, but, uh, I mean, I should have a good team like on paper. Like I got Frankie Lindor, 
um, you know, I got I got some good I got some good players. Um, I just think, you know, much like the surprise of this year, I think I kind of picked on teams I was hoping would be good. Um, and you mentioned Devers and JD Martinez. I mean, who thought JD Martinez was going to be any good yeah, this year? Yeah, not me. Right, yeah, like I, got I him for like two bucks in the auction. Yeah. I got uh, I had him two years ago. And when he was really, really good, um, and he drove me all the way to a, a runner-up appearance, I finished second overall. Um, but uh, but this year, yeah, I think my team has just been uh, hit by the injury bug. Uh, you know, I've had lots of people on the on the injured list, and uh, no, my pitching has been terrible. Like my ERA is awful, uh, my WHIP is awful. Uh, quality starts, like I mentioned, are are not great. Um, strikeouts and saves I'm doing okay with, but I mean, by okay, I mean, I think I'm seventh overall. So I mean, like, it's not like I'm, <laughs> I, I'm doing any good. So, uh, I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a seller at the deadline. Let's put it that way. I'm, I'm tanking to trust the process. Well, uh, speaking of sellers at the deadline, um, I think this would be a good time to check in on our, our two respective teams, which are almost identical in the standings, Toronto and Cleveland. Um, Christian, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm follow the Jays obsessively, but I can't say that I'm, uh, with the heartbeat of Cleveland on a day-to-day basis. How are things going this year? Nobody's with the heartbeat of Cleveland on a day-to-day, day-to-day <laughs> basis, I don't think. Um, but that's just, that's just Cleveland. Um, but, um, I think considering what has happened to their roster this year, I think we can't be anything but pleased with where we are at this point. Meaning, Shane Bieber, who was my Cy Young pick, uh, underwhelming. Started out amazing, but has been, you know, invisible of late. Um, You know, our rotation was okay, um, and then a couple of guys went down. um, And so we've been kind of stringing guys together with uh, Tristan McKenzie and Cal Quantrill and, you know, who else? You know, those types of those. Although... Tristan McKenzie had, he's the first pitcher since Dennis Eckersley in 1977 to go seven plus innings with nine plus strikeouts and one or fewer hits as a rookie. Wow, really? So just a quick little stat right there. Uh, Thank you, SportsCenter ticker for that one. Um, (laughs) But I mean... And, you know, Fran Mil Reyes, who was supposed to be one of our big power hitters, he went out for four to six weeks. Uh, Jose Ramirez has been kind of, I won't say disappointing, but again, maybe underachieving, but we always expect him to be kind of in the quote-unquote AL MVP conversation. Um, bullpen's been meh. Um, so, I mean, overall, it's kind of just been like we've been treading water and the fact that we're barely above 500 um, at this point in second place and kind of in the wild card hunt, whereas like not too like not impossibly far back from the White Sox. I can't really complain um, com- 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 where we are, but uh, definitely not satisfied anyway. Yeah, I uh, I think that's a that's a that's a nice summary. I um with Toronto, it's hard for me to say, am I satisfied? Um you know, I would have been, I w- the expectation for this season would be that we'd be around third, uh, pushing for second in the in our division in the AL East, um, and that we would hope to see a step up from, from the young players, Guerrero, Bichette, um, Biggio in particular, and hopefully continued good seasons from uh, Guriel and Hernandez. Um, and then that, uh, we would have expected a pretty solid bullpen. We had a great bullpen, um, at, at times last year, 
um, but it needed to be upgraded. And so they did. They invested in it in the offseason, and we were expecting to see improvement. Um, unfortunately, that has been our downfall. So the first part of that absolutely came true. Guerrero has been an absolute joy and glory to watch. I mean, oh, he's, he's been a stud. The, he's one of the most entertaining players in all of baseball. He really genuinely, every single time he gets up to bat, I mean, it's must-see TV, you know, it, and that's that's what you want on a team. It's what you want out of baseball. It's even and, better live. I hate to break it to you. Yeah. Oh, tell, tell, our, tell our listeners what's going on there. Um. There is a uh, T-shirt going around Western New York. So the Buffalo Bills, there's the the saying, no one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. There's now a T-shirt everywhere that says, no one circles the bases like Vladdy. <laughs> and it's brilliant. I have one. They're everywhere. Um, but uh, no, uh, Buffalo's really kind of like embraced the Blue Jays. Um, and it's, uh, no, he's uh, it's he's amazing to watch. Um, I've been to two games uh, in uh, Salem's Field here. They've won both. You're welcome. Uh, and he's hit a home run in both. You're welcome. So, wow. Um, wow. so no, it's been, uh, it's been amazing to watch. He's been amazing to watch. But the later innings have been stressful. Yeah, uh, needless to, I mean, th- that's that's uh, that's an understatement of the year, I think. You know, because starting pitching, I mean, there's actually been some very pleasant surprises. Ryu has been about as, as good as he would Steven expect Steven Matz. To be. Uh, yeah, Steven Matz. Robbie Ray's been pretty decent. Stripling's had some good moments. Um, but, uh, and of course, it's fun to see Manoa. Very disappointing to see, to see Nate Pearson um, not make a contribution this year. But after having an absolutely wonderful start to the season, I mean, just a fiery start to the season from the bullpen, um, it's been a melting disaster. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Rafael Dolis, as, as much confidence as I had and as much as I loved him a month into the season, um, I mean, I, I genuinely... Even even if we're leading by three, I feel like we're more likely to lose when he comes up to pitch in the ninth. Trent Thornton, Tyler Chatwood, Mays has not been great. Of course, there's been lots of injuries. Thornton's gone down, Maloney, Barucki. I mean, we've had lots of injuries. There's, there's well, and keep in mind, I mean, you can't. They, they had the bullpen set up with Phelps, with Kirby Yates. That's right. Like they had it, they had it set up with those guys, and then they're just not there now due to injury. So, I mean, in that yeah, standpoint, well you can't. I mean, you could be definitely disappointed with the performance of what you had, but you can't really be disappointed with the effort they made to set them up for success prior to the season. Because I think for the Blue Jays, Absolutely. they said, like you mentioned, with the guys that they had, they added Simeon and Springer, although Springer took a while to get going, even just on the field. Sure. Um, but with that, and then they said, okay, they've got the bats, now give them the pitching to match. And at least from a bullpen perspective, they did. Um, but it just hasn't panned out. Yeah. Well, we've got some uh, reinforcements coming in now. Simber, Richard, Saucedo. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how the second half plays out here. I uh, I gotta say though, I mean that uh, one through nine in the batting order. Happy, very happy with Bichette's had a good year. Biggio had a really rough start, um, but he is he's been playing more kind of average ball at least. Um, in let's say the second quarter of the season, um, obviously Hernandez has been has been on fire. Great check, a good season. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm optimistic for the second half, maybe slightly below where I thought we would be, but a very comfortable position for uh, Blue Jays fans. This is what we have lived uh, with, Christian, you and I, growing up in Ontario uh, for basically all um, every single year of our uh, life as um, as children after the age of five is a bubble playoff team pushing for a wild card spot. 
Well, speaking of the second halves, we'll take a quick break here on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast before we start our second half of the episode. Um, don't forget to hit us up on social media, at Loading Dad on Twitter, at Dad Joke Loading Podcast on Instagram. Also, please email us your baseball picks, um, you know, predictions, where we can get Nanaimo bars in Western New York, you know, things like that. I'm at dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, but we'll take a quick break here. Um, and when we'll come on, come on back, we're going to talk about the second half of the baseball season, what we're looking forward to, storylines, and that type of thing. So hang tight. We'll be right back here on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Chris, he's Christian, um, and uh, this week we're talking to you about baseball. So Christian, I'm going to bring us back in with one of my favorite recurring segments, which is a countdown. So this week we'll be counting down the top five father-son baseball combos. Mm, I like this. In Major League Baseball, of course, specifically. Um, this being the dad joke loading podcast, we we needed some father-son content. Um, so number five, I'm going to start out with um, what was uh, a very fun debate for me, which is which is the best current Blue Jays father-son combo. So, of course, the three big options here were Vladdy Guerrero Sr., or as he was called when we were growing up, Vladdy Guerrero. And Vladdy Guerrero Jr., who, as we've talked about, is uh, having an incredible season with the Blue Jays. Definitely. Craig Biggio and his son, Kevin Biggio. Um, Kevin, of course, not having as great a season as uh, Vladdy Jr. this year. And Craig probably not having uh, quite as good a long career as Vladdy Guerrero Sr., both incredible players. Um, so that's a, you know, we'll say there's a front run there. Um, followed by Dante Bichette, Silver Slugger winner, and Bo Bichette having a great season uh, this year as well. Dante, of course, now a coach as well. So maybe that um, plays into it a little bit. But I had to go with the obvious one. Vladdy Guerrero Sr. and Vladdy Guerrero Jr. coming in at number five. I'm going to throw in an honorable mention who won't make it into the top five, which, of course, is Moises Alou, who you and I grew up with. Yeah. And his dad, Felipe Alou. Um, so number four on the list, um, two players, Christian, that you and I uh, know very well, one of whom we grew up with, I would say, was sort of a leading figure of baseball in our childhood, and that's Cecil Fielder and his son, Prince Fielder, very much in the mold of Vladdy Sr. and Vladdy Jr., big sluggers, you know, just just some of the best batters, um, like father, like son. First baseman as well, all four of them. Actually, no, Vladdy Sr. was a third baseman, but um, all of them played corner. You know, uh, Vladdy Jr. plays plays corners right now. Cecil and Prince both played first base. Um, so, yeah, a lot of first basemen there. I would have to say that the fielders probably have to be overall the largest father-son <laughs> duo oh, probably on the I, list, right? And that's just, that's, a, that's a lot of weight to throw around. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to say this. I mean, if there was a photo of Prince in the locker room with his dad as a kid, and I'm, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, is he either professional athlete or has diabetes now? Which of those two yes. uh, outcomes? <laughs> yeah, yes. The answer is yes. Um, number three, bit of a tough one. Uh, you know, one that I think um, six months ago would have been uh, nothing but effusive praise, but one that, of, of course, has to give us a bit of pause now. But we're talking about pure baseball. And that's Sandy Alomar 
um, and his son, Roberto Alomar. So Roberto Alomar, Alomar of course, caught up in um, some, uh, some off-field things at the moment, which have led to the removal of his number um, within the Rogers Center. Um, we won't go into the allegations at the moment, but obviously very concerning stuff. Um, but from a baseball perspective, when we were growing up, it was always interesting to see Roberto Alomar and compare him to his father, Sandy. Um, very different, of course, from the fielders and the Guerreros in terms of what skill set the Alomars brought. Um, very interesting, though, just like numbers four and five on this list, like father, like son, very similar players, you know, um, Sandy and Roberto, just uh, just like Cecil and Prince were similar and, and the Vladdies were similar. So brings us to number two, referenced earlier in the episode, probably one of the most famous players um, of all time, uh, one of the greatest players of all time, but um, in a very controversial light, of course, and that's Barry Bond and his father, Hall of Famer, Bobby Bonds. Um, two um, great players, asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Um, but, you know, unquestionably um, two of the greats of all time. Allegedly asterisk. No, <laughs> I, I'm kidding. For as much as, and I think I know where you're going with number one, although I have not see, heard the list, so I'm assuming, I'm assuming your number one is who I think it is. But anyway, regardless of what you may think about Barry Bonds, that swing, though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he would have been a Hall of Famer without the steroids. Um, the question is, would he have been the number one home run uh, hitter of all time at the time? I mean, I think you could no. pretty co fairly confidently say no. Um, yeah. You know, you yeah. got you got to figure that at least, you know, there's uh, but uh, but steroids don't help you swing like that. Um, but they might help you push the ball a little bit farther. So, but anyway, Absolutely. obviously not a steroid conversation, but, uh, speaking of sweet swings, I think here comes your number one. <laughs> Well, you're absolutely spot on the money with one of the sweetest, most beautiful swings. Less, um, I mean, it was obviously powerful like Barry Bonds's, but a bit more of a smooth, sweet stroke. Whereas Barry Bonds just like, you know, loaded up like a gun, you know, and just exploded over the ball. This is, of course, one of the greatest hitters of all time, Ken Griffey Jr. and his father, Ken Griffey Sr. Um, two incredible players. I mean, do I even need to talk about them? I mean, Ken Griffey Jr. was the face of baseball for like half a decade, but pushing on towards a decade um, and is one of the greatest of all time. And certainly a player who, because of his relationship with his father, is made even more notable because they kind of were one of the first to bring that relationship to the to the public limelight just because of when uh, when Ken Griffey Jr. rose to, to his prime, being such a talked about figure in America at the time. Now, they're the only father-son duo on your list who have played with one another, correct? I think that is right. Yeah, I don't... Um, and I homered mean, I... in the same game, if I don't... If I'm not mistaken. Did they actually? Wow, I had no idea. I did not know that they homered in the same game. Um, but, I mean, we're talking about... I mean, you mentioned, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. swing. Maybe not as powerful, so to speak, as as... As Barry Bonds, I mean, he still hit like 600 home runs. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the most powerful of all time. So it's just it just it just sucks for him that he had to follow Barry Bonds on the list of of sweet swings. So yeah, Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, and Ken Griffey Sr. number one on the list, and this has been countdown. So Christian, I'll uh, bring us over to our next topic, which is, of course, as you alluded to earlier, we're going to take a look at the second half of the season. We've been following some storylines from the first half, and we're interested to watch them 
uh, through the second half. So of course I'm going to, I'm going first. So I'm going to go with the easy one. I'm going to go with my favorite story of the entire year and what I am absolutely going to have my eyes glued to the TV for in the second half. And that is Shohei Otani. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, listeners, I'm going to give you a bit of background. If you have sat with us now through like 45 minutes of baseball talk and, um, don't know who Shohei Otani is, then my applause to you for sitting through what was probably uh, a garbled mess to you. Um, I mean, my so applause to you for sitting through 45 minutes of baseball talk anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> let, let alone about a player whom you do not know. 45 minutes of our voices even. Um, but Shohei Otani is an incredible player because he's one of the things that Christian and I admire the most, which is what, what you'd call a two-way player. But like two-way in hockey just means like you back check on defense, you know, and uh, and a two-way player in cricket is like expected, you know, and in rugby, you're two-way. Um, I guess in football, you wouldn't be expected to be two-way typically. In arena football, you're two-way. Um, but this is a player who is both uh, an incredible hitter and a starting pitcher. And when we say incredible hitter, potentially the best hitter in Major League Baseball today. And when we say pitcher, we don't mean somebody who you can throw in in the 11th inning when you're at a relief arms in the pen. We mean a starter who can go nine innings if he wants. I mean, they try not to do it because they control his innings and throw an easy 100 miles per hour. And that's because he's one of the most powerful players in the game. A pure athlete um, succeeds at, at everything. He's a great base runner as well. He hits for average. Um, he's a true five-tool player, um, which is really incredible to see. And this is so unique. I mean, it's something that largely has never happened in my lifetime. Um, we've seen some players who, uh, as pitchers, are good hitters as well, um, but nothing... To, to no point where they would be a, a DH, you know, in another game. So that's one of the most incredible things. Um, I love the concept of batters pitching and pitchers batting. Um, it's something that I always love when you see late, deep into extra inning games, when you when you see batters have to pitch. Um, I mean, it's wonderful. It's one of the things that I know you love, Christian, about the senior circuit, above the, about the National League, is seeing pitchers have to bat. Um, it's one of my favorite quirks of baseball. Like instead of a backup goalie in hockey, if you had a defenseman suit up, um, it's just a wonderful thing. One of the other reasons I love Shohei Otani is um, where he's from, um, which is Japan. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to go there um, just under a couple of years ago and fell in love with the country, the people and the culture. Um, what a what a wonderful place, um, how mature and, and polite that society is. But one of the things that stood out to me is everywhere you went, posters of Shohei Otani. Uh, plastered on every street, on every 7-Eleven. He is a, a hero there. And it's very interesting to see a player like him who's not only succeeding um, in Major League Baseball, but a sport that is, I think, you know, it's considered America's pastime. You know, it's very much considered ingrained in American culture to see a player like Shohei Otani travel across the Pacific and be one of the best players, um, if not the best player in the game today um, in America. Um, and of course, the uniqueness of the way Japanese players move to Major League Baseball, which is often as fully formed professionals uh, because of the posting system uh, where they aren't drafted, but come later in their career. So Shohei, Shohei Otani, you know, drops into the scene as one of the best players in the world, just just drops into the Angels. Um, and it's fantastic to see. And one of the things, Christian, uh, I know you and I were talking off uh, off air about this a little bit is the um, you know, there've been a lot of comparisons of Shohei Otani to Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, of course, one of the greatest players of all time, famously a great hitter and also uh, a quite a quite a good pitcher as well. 
Um, recently, there was an article on uh, stick tabs here to the, the website 538, um, which looks at statistical analysis. Um, and they said, Shohei Otani is like one other player in MLB history. Of course, a bit of a clickbait title. And you think, well, it's Babe Ruth. I mean, so interesting to see Shohei Otani compared to Babe Ruth. But believe it or not, Shohei Otani is outperforming Babe Ruth at the moment as a hitter and pitcher. Now he's got a long way to go. Otani is doing this so far for about one season and Babe Ruth did it for a whole career. And that really needs to be stressed. Well, and go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, and I think the big comparison that they're kind of between Babe Ruth and Shohei Otani that they're using right now. And I, I, I might have the year wrong, but I believe it is Babe Ruth's 1917 season, um, which is where he had his kind of overall best hitting and pitching numbers and if you look at him uh Shohei Otani currently um you know obviously his pitching numbers aren't as good meaning that obviously he needs a full season to get the same number of wins and that type of thing but if you look at ERA whip batting average slugging percentage and that type of thing yeah he's keeping pace and 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 exceeding uh the the great Bambino as we as as we speak but as we know as I'm spoiling for you, um, it's not Babe Ruth who I think you're talking about. Yeah, it is this other player who I had actually never heard of before. And I think that was part of the part of the intention of this article. And that player is Bullet Rogan. Um, I love that in, in those times, players got these awesome nicknames and we should really bring that back. You know, Trevor Crazy Eyes Bauer or something like that. But Bullet Rogan um, played in uh, the Negro Leagues, which have um, recently been made into official major league games, as they should be. Um, and Bullet Rogan was um, one of the first and foremost elite pitchers and elite hitters at the same time. But what was so unique is the number of seasons he did it for. It was something like five seasons where he was essentially the best in all of professional baseball at both of those things at the same time. So Shohei Otani has a long way to go, um, but we just wanted to take this moment to uh, recognize um, Bullet Rogan. So for me, um, the story that I'm following the most in the second half of this season is Shohei Otani. What about you, Christian? Uh, I'm going to go from a little bit more of an emotional um, standpoint, uh, which is uh, Trey Mancini. Now, for those of you who don't recall, Trey Mancini, Trey Mancini excuse me, was diagnosed with uh, colon cancer um, last year. I believe it was stage three or four. It was fairly significant, um, but following his treatments, um, he was uh, he was able to uh, resume his career in the major leagues this year, um, and has actually, un- unfortunately, on a, a very poor Orioles team, yeah, um, terrible team, uh, has been quite a uh, quite a, a bright spot um, to the point where he's actually in tr- a lot of trade rumors this year that a lot of teams who are buying at the trade deadline are looking at Trey Mancini to say, hey, can we add this bat to our lineup? So um, not that I typically uh, cheer for trades per se, but I'm actually really hoping that he gets traded to a contender um, because mm-hmm. I think it would be really cool to see him continue into September and October, be, re- be extremely relevant um, and and help a team really perform. If I could be obviously super selfish, I would say uh, Toronto or Cleveland and push them into the playoffs. Obviously, but uh, you know, if, um, but um, it's it, it's just just a, a cool story. That's one of those things where you get perspective in that. Obviously, um, his uh, medical um, 
trials, I guess if I can call them that, are, are far are far bigger than sports, right? And uh, and a lot of what we're talking about um, in terms of kind of our sports fandom and all that is kind of peanuts in the grand scheme of things, especially when we're talking about something as serious as as cancer and cancer treatments and things like that. Um, but to then be also able to see somebody on a relatively public stage be able to return to their career and be successful mm. Um, which breeds confidence, which breeds hope, um, you know, and that type of thing. Um, it is, uh, it's, it's a story that is, is wonderful. It is uplifting, which of course we could use a lot of, um, and there's never enough of those types of stories, um, whether it's in sports or otherwise. Um, and, uh, so I, I'm really interesting to see how he does. Uh, going forward, uh, but it's also really cool because he's going to be in the home run derby this year, um, which I think is kind of neat. And uh, so, Chris, that actually brings me to just a question for you, which is we've been doing predictions, kind of quasi predictions for a lot of things. We did some mulligans on predictions that we realized <laughs> we got very wrong in the first half of the episode. But um, I want to make some home run derby predictions if we can Ooh, the all-star game is oh coming boy. up and i think yeah. this will be a fun time to i mean obviously chris you and i know that uh we're we're never we're always down for a friendly wager um so why not make one more um and let's do uh your home run derby finalists and then champion so i'll give you the list here so for those of you who may be unaware of the list this year um the list goes as follows uh defending champion pete alonzo Shohei Otani, that we just mentioned, uh, Joey Gallo, Texas Rangers, Matt Olson, Oakland Athletics, Salvador Perez, Kansas City Royals, Trevor Story, hometown from Colorado, Trey Mancini, just mentioned, and Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals. So now having that list, uh, who are you putting as your finalists and who is your champion? Mm, that's a tough one. Well, I got to go with the power of uh, my fantasy team um, and a player who has absolutely blasted dingers all year long for a terrible team. And that is Joey Gallo of the Texas Rangers, um, who I am putting in my final. And I'm putting him against the defending champion, Pete Alonso. And I think Pete Alonso is going to have that boost of having been there and done that before. He's going to have that confidence of having uh, been a winner before. But seeing everybody launch those dingers in the in the thin, uh, mountainous air, I think um, he's going to be surprised at how far everyone else can go. And so I'm going to take uh, my fantasy team, Joey Gallo, and the power uh, that he is going to demonstrate out there. Um, so Joey Gallo over Pete Alonso in the Derby final. What about you? Um, alrighty, I had uh, one of those two guys. I had Joey Gallo as well, but just for the sake of argument, I'll pick somebody different then. Um, but my first finalist is going to be Trevor Story. Um, okay. I'm picking the hometown Coors Field. Um, Good logic. Home like home field advantage here, um, because I feel like that is that is very helpful. They know the field. They know the diamond. They know the uh, how how the ball flies through that Colorado air. Um, so I'm going to pick Trevor Story as one of my as one of my finalists. But I'm going to go sneaky here, and I'm going to go Matt Olson. Um, and the reason I say that is because I was going to go Shohei Otani, but that's just, I think it's a little too predictable. Of course, he's going to prove me wrong just because I said that, <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to go Matt Olson just because I think he's got a sneaky, powerful swing and 
the reason I'm not picking Pete Alonso is because just repeat champions just don't happen that often. So, uh, so I'm going to go sneaky, powerful swing Matt Olson, but I'm going to go Trevor Story West, the hometown winner um, uh, for me. Anyway, I like that. I like that. I like that, Christian. Um, okay, well, let's uh, let's move on to another story that we're going to follow in the second half of the season. And that's one that I'm pretty interested in. And I'm kind of interested to pick your brain a little bit about this. Um, and that is the sticky stuff. Um, so mm, one of the sticky situation, lines, sticky situation, um, they are in some uh, hot water. That is for sure. So in the first half of the season, one of the stories that we've been following is that in um, Major League Baseball, um, for for a very long time, pitchers have had access to something called a rosin bag on the mound, something that can improve the dryness of your hand and thus improve grip a little bit. But when mixed with a bit of sunscreen and sweat can cause this uh, kind of sticky um, substance that gives you a little bit of grip on the ball. Nothing that will dramatically improve your spin rate necessarily, um, but something that will maybe allow you to have a little bit more command in your strike zone and not necessarily hit um, batters all the time. So something that's been kind of accepted in baseball for a very long time. However, what has never been accepted in baseball, but has always sort of flown under the radar and been, I mean, allowed, but also never explicitly allowed is the use of different, more aggressive and stickier substances of which some of the biggest ones, of course, would be pine tar or a specific substance called spider tack. Um, and these are substances that uh, pitchers might smear on the inside of their cap or their belt buckle or on their wrist or in their glove. Um, and what it is, is it's so sticky that when you are spitting the baseball, um, that extra grip allows you to put a higher spin rate, which improves, say, your curveball or your slider or any pitch that um, whose movement is dependent on its spin. And so what we've seen is over the last few years, pitchers' spin rates go up and up and up which uh, combined with pitching analytics has resulted in a dramatic improvement in the skill level of pitchers relative to their batting counterparts, which means we've seen strikeouts at an all-time high and batting average at an all-time low. So what's happened in the first half of the season is that kind of weird timing from my perspective is that they spent the first half of the season getting what they called more information on the problem, confiscating balls, confiscating mitts and equipment to understand how many pitchers out there are using um, these illegal substances. And then after a certain period of time, they um, instituted these bans. So from here on out, those substances are banned. Um, There can be multiple inspections per game instigated by either the umpires or managers on either team. Um, And we've seen a lot of inspections and we've seen some players, Garrett Cole, namely, um, really, really suffer um, as a result of it. We've even seen some players get injuries that they're attributing to not being able um, to use this tack anymore. Um, so, Christian, my question to you as a pitcher, a longtime pitcher, what are your thoughts on this sticky stuff debate? So I guess it comes down to kind of two schools of thought, which is if you are a person who is throwing a dense projectile at 100 miles per hour, or we'll say between 90 and 100 miles per hour, control of said object is extremely important, not only for how good you are at your job, but for, frankly, just the general safety of others. And so, as athletes, there's, there is something to be said. So some people are just like, well, what do you mean? Like, they shouldn't be using anything. And I think that's a little bit naive because... If you are an athlete, 
you are going to perspire throughout the course of your sport, throughout the course of your game. And so if you are, I don't care whoever you are, you see weightlifters, you know, they powder the hands to make sure they're sweat, you know, so they can grip the dumbbells. You see, uh, you know, all, all kinds of things, you know, LeBron with the chalk toss, you know, all that type of stuff. Because if, if, if you sweat, then your hands become moist. You can't grip and nobody wants somebody to be a loose cannon throwing 95 to 100. Right. And so not only just from your confidence and repeatability of your craft, but from the general safety. And uh, now, granted, I'm obviously not a major league hitter, but I mean, there's been a lot of hitters out there that just said, you know what? Speaking of Pete Alonzo, um, he was like, yeah, you know what? I think I'd rather have them have a controlled 100 um, and use some type of grip <laughs> than a uh, loose 100 that could go anywhere. Because that makes that doesn't exactly make me feel super safe. The tricky part is when the um, safety aspect and just the general kind of, you know, consistency of the grip becomes then performance enhancing, right? So I think that's really where the debate lies. Um, it's much like pine tar on the bat, right? You know, everyone's just like, well, you know, just it's a bat, just grip it. It's like, well, no, if your hands are sweaty, you don't want that large piece of lumber to be flying all over the place. That's why we have netting all around the stadiums now, right? Like it's things like that. You know, if we think about the, um, you know, people losing the bat at going into the field, right? So there's a lot of safety aspects to this. And so, but it's where it becomes performance enhancing and no longer objective, I think that is the problem. So you have a, a rosin bag on the mound, which everybody has access to, and pretty much every player out there sweats. So you use the sweat from your arm and the rosin bag, and if you want to use that, those are things that everybody has access to in a game. I don't really see the issue with that. It's when you start to use, you know, that you spider tax, the big one, right, which is just basically pine tar, but for your hand, really. Um, and it's, and so that's when it becomes a little bit, I mean, frankly, kind of like cheating. And so you mentioned kind of the spin rate and all that type of stuff, and I won't get too much into the details of it, but necessarily it's, it's one of those where you want it to be something that everybody has access to. And the problem with a lot of these different substances, combinations is, is kind of one of those what's fair and what's not, right? So what can everybody have access to and what can, what can be objectively monitored um, and quote unquote policed, right? And so we saw Hector Santiago get ejected and then suspended as kind of the first person under this new rule. I think the whole manager is being able to be like, Hey, he's using something. Go check him is ludicrous because that just leaves the Joe Girardi's of the world to be able to go and just, you know, check whoever the hell they want, which I think is multiple dumb. times. Yeah. Game which well. is dumb. Um, but, um, you know, so I, I think it's, it's an impossible answer to get right. I think what major league baseball got incredibly wrong is doing it now. Do it at the end of the year. Give pitchers an offseason to adjust hmm. and hitters an offseason to adjust. Because then, like you said, you know, whether it's Garrett Cole or, um, you know, whoever it is, Tyler Glasnow, we just mentioned earlier in the episode, he went down to an injury, injury yeah. you know, because now he's like, well, now I can't grip the ball. Now I'm worried about this or whatever. And guess what? Now I just blew my elbow because now I don't have the same confidence in my grip on the ball that I did two weeks ago. 
Um, you know, and whether or not you can actually officially attribute that injury to that, I mean, it's kind of obviously impossible to prove one way or the other. So that's always going to be a little bit of hearsay. Um, but a, such a large change mid-season is, is so that's where I think Major League Baseball got it wrong. It's like all of a sudden the NBA midseason just being like, hey, so dunks are worth four points now. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. To me, it was the timing that was the issue uh, beyond anything. And I think it it also brings up one of the issues with uh, a lot that we see in a lot of different sports, which is this concept of kind of unwritten rules um, and what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Um, you know, time wasting in soccer, going over easily on fouls, in Italy, basketball, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, all of, all of these issues. Uh, you know, you look at a player like Glass now and he says, well, you know, it's now that I can't use this, I injure myself. And you think, well, it was always illegal, Tyler. I mean, this has always been illegal. It's just never been enforced. Um, and this is not a crazy concept to have just slight to, to have um, uh, composition rules on uh, on equipment. You think in hockey, they outlawed aluminum sticks really, really quickly after aluminum sticks were introduced uh, and invented. It's not that difficult to just say, OK, everybody's allowed to use this sticky material and not this sticky material. What's weird is when you don't even know who's using what material and you have to change uh, change course halfway through a season. They've known about this for years and years. Why did they decide that, you know, May and June 2021, a third of the way through the season was the right time to do it? That is a bit of a mystery to me. I don't think it's a mystery at all, frankly. Um, I think it's because offense is down. Mm, like I, They saw it. They saw the danger to the game. Like, I, I, I think it's a bottom line thing, honestly. I think they were realizing pitchers are getting too good. And so the thing that we were kind of letting slide because, you know, whatever – um, is that's the thing they decided to plant their flag in and take their stand on because they saw offense was down. They saw strikeouts were up. They saw runs per game were down. They saw averages across the league were down. And this is what they decided to do about it because it was the thing that they felt like they could control. The other thing, which I'm sure we'll get into um, uh, a little bit later in the podcast uh, episodes, is... Um, honestly, I think this is a, a CBA tactic. Like, I think this is an MLB cracking down and saying, hey, I think this is, uh, you know, this is something that we need to control. And it's, you know, the players that are doing this and we're just trying to keep the the game in for the fans. Um, and now you're seeing these kind of theatrics. I know we mentioned Joe Girardi and Max Scherzer. You know, Max Scherzer sitting out there, you know, the pitchers are pretending to like take their, uh, you know, take uh, undo their pants and all these type of things to make it into a sideshow. Remember, the CBA is up in December, right? So I think these are all just kind of power plays between the players in the league because this CBA is going to be contentious. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was a work stoppage coming up before next year, um, or yeah, at least the, very the threat point, of one. Actually. So I think this is there's. I think it's much more. I I think that honestly, I think the way MLB is going about this is wrong. But I think the sticky stuff conversation, I think, is more is it's a symptom. It's not the disease. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's not. It is not in itself what ails baseball, but the way that it's being dealt with is a symptom of the way that. Rob Manfred runs Major League Baseball right now. Do you really think that if you asked the average baseball fan, they had any idea about this until it got brought up? Yeah, no, honestly. I think the vast majority of people had no idea, and they would have assumed that it was always illegal. Like, they would have assumed, I mean, you and I grew up, you know, hearing about what a spitball was and how you weren't allowed to throw a spitball. And then, you you know, we saw Michael Pineda go through this, you know, you know, quite a while ago now, I don't remember exactly five, six years ago. And we all thought, yeah, that's obviously illegal, right? 
right? And then it just was once again, one of these problems with these unwritten rules that are just allowed to thrive with everybody knowing that it happens, but nobody saying anything about it. Um, so uh, going into, you know, other things in the second half of the season, another thing that's coming up soon is the trade deadline. So, um, you know, the Blue Jays have been making a lot of moves, uh, trying to get pieces to the bullpen, as we've talked about. Um, Christian, are there any uh, in particular trade deadline moves or teams that you think are going to be looking for um, big pieces in the second half of this season? I'm going to flip the question a little bit um, and say I think one of the interesting teams I think at the trade deadline is actually going to be the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, I agree with you. And 100%. I don't think it's because they're buying. I think it's because they're selling. Yeah. And yeah. I think Kimbrell is gone. I think he goes somewhere. Um, but it'll be interesting because, I mean, that uh, obviously I'm a I'm, – I'm I'm a bitter Cleveland fan in that I obviously want the Cubs to crash and burn because they ruined my 2016. But I mean that's neither here nor there. Um, but I, you know the the Anthony Rizzo Chris Bryant um, you know um, experiment. You know how much longer yeah. do we see that? Um, I think Chris Bryant gets traded. To be honest with you, um, I agree with you, and I think Rizzo could go as well. I think if 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 I had to pick one, I think Rizzo stays just because I think he's more. Um, a staple in the kind of Chicago area, perhaps he's also playing better. Um, but, uh, I think Chris Bryant goes for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if they both got traded, frankly, but I think he's uh Bryant, I think is the one that goes, um, in this stance. Like I said, I think Kimberl goes too. Um, so I think they're going to be a really, really interesting team to watch. Um, to see kind of what happens. I think the NL West is going to be really interesting to see what happens yeah. there. Cause I mean, the, all of those teams, you think they're all going to try and go all in. Yeah. yeah. It just kind of before the season, I would have thought that the giants would have been selling everybody, you know, that they would have sold on Posey and belts and Everett Solano and everybody. Um, and yet here they are. And I'm thinking, are they going to buy? I mean, it's just unbelievable. Well, and the other thing, and I frankly, I'll say this and, and I don't actually know is just what it's going to come down to what those teams are willing to give up. Right. Uh, yeah. So like, I honestly yeah. don't know what the giants farm system looks like that. Are they going to add, um, you know, are they going to add something and do they have the talent to, um, you know, give up? Like, do they have the farm system? It's one of those things like with the Dodgers, like they seem to always be able to trade assets and somehow never run out. I don't really know how that's possible, uh, you know, in that standpoint. But in terms of, you know, what are they all going to be able to give up in terms of that or, you know, take on, well, I guess the LA Dodgers can take on whatever payroll they want, I suppose, yeah, it seems, but, like, uh, it, seems yeah. like it, but maybe a team like the Giants is going to have to be a little bit more judicious about that. I honestly don't know. Um, so it'll kind of depend, I think, on what they, um, you know, on, on what they end up doing, because realistically, all those teams could be really in on it. And, and then, you know, does a team like the, the Giants go after Chris Bryant, you know, or something yeah. like that, um, you know, which would be ridiculous. I'll take but... ridiculous trades for 400, Alex. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, trades, uh, I know a rumor. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on it was Nelson Cruz to the yeah. Toronto Blue Jays. What are your thoughts nah, on that? No, thank you. T hard pass. He's just I mean, 
you look at his age, first of all, you look at his position, you know, we just acquired Corey Dickerson. We have far too many outfielders. There's just no way to fit them all on the field at the moment. Nelson Cruz is old. He doesn't fit with the timeline of this team. Whereas a player like George Springer did fit with the timeline of the team when he was, when he was acquired. Um, no hard pass on me for Nelson Cruz. Not even as a DH. I mean, he, like, I'm not saying that Nelson Cruz wouldn't improve our ability to extend deeper into the postseason in 21 alone, in 2021 alone. It's more my window for this team is next year and let's say the five years beyond that. And I don't see Nelson Cruz being a part of that, whereas I feel that the value that they give up for Cruz either could mature into something that they use within the next five years or that they move for a piece within that window, within that more valuable window. I don't feel like we need to force impatience onto this year when it wasn't something we needed and particularly not for that position. I mean, I know we just lost Rowdy Telez and he was our lefty, lefty DH or first. He was making it in into, into the lefty lineup most of the time. Did we really um, lose Rowdy Telez? <laughs> yeah, we lost his personality. Okay. I don't know if we lost him at the, at the plate. All right, yet. okay, I was just checking. I, um, you know, but there's just no room. There's no room on this roster anymore. There's no room in the outfield. There's no room at DH and they'd have to give up a position player to give him playing time upon which time for the second half of the season, he contributes what in a best case scenario, like one to two wins to this team, you know, to to what end, you know, I, I mean, that's not to say I, that's not to disrespect Nelson Cruz or to say if somebody was offering him to the Jays for free, that I wouldn't take it. Yeah, absolutely. He's a net positive, but I don't feel like it's a, a valuable move for this team. If I, that makes sense. I guess I never considered that because like you said, with the crowded outfield and everything, I mean, if you think about Grish- Grishik, Springer, uh, Tay Oscar, Guriel, I mean, one yeah. of those guys is probably going to DH on every given, on any given every, night, right? Every so, night, yeah, um, yeah. So in that same point, I guess I didn't necessarily consider that, which is a good thing. I mean, you're like I said, oh, it does look like a sexy trade per se, but uh, um but I mean, yeah, do the Blue Jays really go for a rental player this year? Yeah. I don't think I so. Mean, and I if they and if not. but I think if they do, it's gotta be a high leverage closer, right? I, I exactly. It's gotta be a bullpen piece, and it's gotta be a bullpen piece that will has the potential to stay with this team for a couple more years beyond this. You know, so that would be then something I'd like be like a Kimbrel would be amazing. You know, but it depends on his contract, you know, and yeah. that type of thing. And what you give what up. The ask is, yeah, right, that's what they be, ask. He'd be a tough ask. The, He's one of the best relievers on the market, so he's going to be. I mean, he's going to go to the highest bidder, and I don't know that I want the Jays tied up in that. Uh, what do you figure the Blue Jays would have to give up for him? Probably two prospects, I would think. Um, but I, I mean, they're probably giving up prospect. like they're probably giving up like Manoa or Pearson, right? Yeah, I would think so. Something like that, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, player. it'll be. Um, is there is there a player out there? Um, if 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 there's a player out there, excuse me, that the um, you know that the the Blue Jays are looking for, you would have to assume is bullpen. Um, I think they're pretty confident with their overall offense. I mean, maybe it has underproduced here, but um, I don't necessarily think that they're probably looking. I mean, they might try many upgrades, but uh, but I I think pitching has got to be it. If they can get maybe a back end starter, if they could get somebody in the bullpen. I mean, I know they already added Simber and those guys like we kind of mentioned earlier. Um, but I think that, um, you know, if they're looking for somebody here in, in order to really improve their roster, I'm, I'm going to guess it, it has to be bullpen. It's probably going to be middle of the road. It's not going to be anybody super high leverage. Cause like you mentioned, Chris, I think it's going to be, 
the asking price is going to be too high. Whereas I, like you think you mentioned, I think the blue Jays window is in the next several years and not just necessarily this year. This isn't the 2015 Jays that are looking to, you know, that are world series favorites. Like they're looking over the next couple of years. So I don't think they really want to give up a whole lot. Yeah, I agree with you. They don't, they don't want to get involved in a situation where the ask is going to be, is going to be something that they'll regret three years down the road. That's a worst case scenario to me. Look at what, look at that Marlins Jays trade that we remember um, that, you know, involving uh, Jose Reyes. I mean, that incredible trade that we thought was a, was one of the biggest highway robberies in baseball history actually worked out to be a pretty even trade, you know, with the way things worked out. Yeah. Overall. I mean, like you said, that looked like a, a complete fleece of the Marlins, but uh but over yeah, overall that uh, that ended up being a kind of overall net really. Yeah, like, maybe net even drop. a Marlins win right. actually. And, and for people who crazy. for people in that Marlins front office, I probably got crucified for making that trade by the fan base. I mean, if you look at it now, you're kind of like, okay, you know that that yeah. actually kind of ended up uh, and ended up not uh, not being too bad overall. I mean, it's unfortunately crazy. for us for the Jays, but uh, you know, I just pulled it up. I just pulled up the trade, so it's. Blue Jays received Jose Reyes, Mike Burley, Josh Johnson, Emilio Bonifacio, John Buck. So Reyes, Burley, and Johnson were all considered like borderline, like, you know, everyday starters and maybe all contention to be all, uh, all-stars. all Bonifacio, almost an everyday player. In exchange, the Marlins received Yunel Escobar, Adani Hechevarria, who was a prospect at that time, Henderson Alvarez, a prospect at that time, Jeff Mathis, a backup at that time, Justin Nicolino, Anthony Desclafini, and Jake Marisnik, future all-star. I, um, I mean, at the time, it just seemed like absolute robbery. Um, and in hindsight, you know, that, the prospects that you give up, you really need to be uh, cautious about what they might turn into. And so uh, I think just to your point, Christian, that's the type of trade I don't want the Jays getting involved in uh, at this trade deadline. Well, we're going to take a, we're going to take a break here and uh, we're going to close things out here on our baseball episode of the dad joke loading podcast. As always, please reach out to us. Dad joke loading podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We'll be right back in a moment. Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Christian, that's Chris, and we couldn't go a whole episode without talking a little bit of dad stuff. So just for the final few minutes here, uh, we're going to do a quick re- recurring segment uh, known as Walkie Talkie. Now, we haven't done this topic in a little bit, this recurring segment here, but just to recap here, walkie-talkie, you know, walking and talking, kind of cool milestones in a child's life. So this is kind of our little chance to update each other about like, hey, what milestones have our kids kind of reached recently? So, uh, Chris, I'll throw it to you first. What have you uh, been noticing with your daughter recently, maybe in either continuation or new kind of things that you've been seeing with your daughter recently? Mm, That's a good question. Um, no, no major, major kind of, um, new, new life changes. One little quirk that she's doing a lot is as part of the teething process, she's, uh, tucking her bottom lip up under her top lip. So she's just going around with this kind of constant parrot look all the time, which is a totally new thing. I mean, it's one of those things that I'm sure you noticed a lot about fatherhood in the first years, like every week there's a new thing that she's doing. And this week it's like the tucked up, uh, inner lip. She's not, um, she's not sitting on your shoulder, is she? <laughs> no, but she's saying everything that I say. She's after. repeating everything. She's telling me to get that pirate booty. Arr. 
Um, yeah, she's uh, she's eating her solid food really, really well. We're trying new stuff uh, every day. Like we're now at salsa and chicken and all kinds of mild cool salsa. Stuff, I hope. So. Yeah, mild salsa verde. She's uh, she you know she's more of a kind of New Mexico, Colorado type of girl rather than a you know a, a strict uh, Texas type of girl. Let's say. Um, yeah, but it's been going pretty well. How about you, my friend? We actually had a fairly significant milestone uh, in the household, which is my daughter actually asked and used the potty by herself for oh, the dang. first time. Oh, my God. It was. What was the ask like? What, what, what was – how did that go? So we've been noticing recently that she's been um, overnight – been having you know when she wakes up in the morning has been having some very wet diapers so to the point where sometimes she'll actually pee through her pajamas because she probably i mean she's bigger now she's over two she has maybe a couple of peas and you know diapers are only so good um you know and so um and that type of thing but then a few days ago uh, now i was at work so i was getting this via text message so i was getting the um the alerts as they were happening i had the you know alerts <laughs> up on my phone Oh my gosh, could you imagine? Uh, and so I and so my wife was mentioning to me and she said, she's like, you know what? When I was, uh, I, she said, I instinctively went to go change her diaper and there was just no pee. Hmm. And so she thought that was kind of bizarre. And so my daughter recently has been getting pretty good at letting us know when she has gone to the bathroom. So she'll say, you know, pee pee. Or actually she has this really adorable thing. Well, I think it's adorable. I mean, some people might find it embarrassing where she like reaches. So between her legs from the front, but like then bends over hilariously and pats her bum and goes big poopy. And that's how you know that she's <laughs> had a poop, which um, now I do all the time. And my wife is uh, wife gets mad at me for, but yeah, big poopy. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, but she looked at my wife and and said pee pee, and so my wife was like, "Oh, did you go pee pee in your diaper?" And she's like, "Pee pee." And then my wife checked the diaper and it was dry, and so she just went for it. She's like, "Oh, you have to go pee pee," and so she brought out the brought out the potty and uh, and she yeah she sat on it and she went pee wow. uh, all by herself. Um, uh, my wife definitely took a, a photo, um, and, and my favorite part of the photo was that she had reading material. She had, and I was just like, ah, she is her father's daughter. So that is perfect. She has reading material. Um, but no, she went uh, to the potty for the first time, asked for it, um, did it. So yes, round of applause, um, which is, which is fantastic. Uh, now it's been few and far between since we have not repeated that episode. It's been a few days, but that's okay. Um, you know, as they say, baby steps. So, <laughs> well, congratulations, Christian. I mean, I had nothing to do with it, but I will absolutely take the credit. So uh, thank you very much. Uh, I'd like to thank the Academy. Um, and I'd like to thank you, the fans, because you uh, you make it all possible. But, uh, you know, speaking of fans, that'll uh, this is a good time to say goodbye to our fans for this episode. Mm. Um, so this has been another great episode of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Chris, I had a lot of fun chatting baseball with you um, and, uh, and fatherhood and all good things in between um, as we do each week. Um, as Chris mentioned earlier, hit us up, you know, at Loading Dad on Twitter. Dad Joke Loading Podcast on Instagram and Dad Joke Loading Podcast at gmail.com. Producer Ryan, thank you. Vishal Murthy, Vet Cartoonist, thank you. Michael Spicer Music, thank you. Uh, our wives and daughters, thank you guys so much. We love you. Um, and listeners, thank you for putting up with us for another episode here. So, Chris, always a pleasure, sir. And uh, this has been the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. And we will see you guys next week. Goodbye.